You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hello, welcome once again to Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews. I'm one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A. And with me in the state of Virginia. Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how's it going? It's going good. How about you? I actually, uh, good, good. Uh, last time I said there was two commonwealths, but I found out Pennsylvania is considered a commonwealth. Oh, really? So the commonwealth. That I did not realize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about that? There's three. Uh, either way, um, Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews basically does uh, films, uh, so like cult films, boutique label type stuff that may have been uh, forgotten or underground cinema. Um, and uh, actually, the, the two films that we're doing in June are kind of underground, even though they're not necessarily true genre in a sense. But uh, basically, uh, it could be anything from horror, sci-fi, fantasy, thrills, techno thrills, mysteries, grindhouse, art house. So, yeah, this is our house that we're doing. Um, midnight movies, cult films, and whatnot. Uh, uh, basically, critique and review and uh, whatnot. Little things like that. We're a, a sub-podcast of the Dark Discussions Podcast Network, uh, where you can find us at www.darkdiscussions.com, where you can find all the Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews podcast if you have emails to us uh we use the dark discussions email so dark discussions at aol.com and if you uh, want to reach us at facebook you can go to dark discussions podcast facebook group which is uh the facebook group that we use as well for this uh podcast let's see also uh what else do we want to bring up uh i think really not too much uh anyway uh well you you got anything to say barrett any news or anything or or things about the podcast that you wanted to bring up or or anything like that i'll I'll save some comments for the end of stuff like that when we do our little session we actually have a a little uh review Okay, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty cool that we got uh, a little blurb here, so let me read it. It's uh, actually from Dustin Watson. Dustin Watson is uh, a podcaster that does uh, the Watsy Party podcast, uh, which can be found uh, pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. Basically, critique and talks about horror, mostly, and, and science fiction and superheroes, whatever. Uh, and here's what he has to say. He goes, uh, uh, Phil, loved your latest Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Review episode. Bringing in a co-host was a surprise, and I enjoyed that. Well done, and I can't believe you guys remembered my review of Voodoo after all these years. I recall enjoying that movie. So, yeah, he's actually the person uh, 
that um, got me onto the film, and I mentioned that uh-huh. during our Voodoo episode, was episode nine of Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews. So yeah, so that was cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, this month, June of 2020, we're doing uh, two episodes. We just released My Summer of Love, the Emily Blunt film, uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, and now we're doing another film uh, for June Pride Month. Pride Month meaning LGBTQ Pride. This is the month that has been designated. And so we figured that we would uh, focus on a couple of uh, films, uh, specifically lesbian films and specifically our art house lesbian films rather than grindhouse lesbian films because Pride is a serious topic and a serious uh, month for the LGBTQ community. So we figured we'd do serious films, though there is nothing wrong with grindhouse lesbian films of yesteryear. Uh, and we will be doing some of them, I'm sure, as we do this podcast we have in the past. But uh, this month we're, we're focusing on the art house. And uh, with that, what are we going to talk about tonight? We are going to talk about the movie AWOL. Um, it came out in 2016. Um, um, and it is about a young woman, Joey, is in search of direction in her small town. A visit to an army recruiting office appears to provide a path. But when she meets and falls in love with Raina, that path diverges in ways that neither woman anticipates. Uh, this film is directed by Deb Chauval. It's her first um, movie, as far as I can tell. Um, and it stars Lola Kirk. So what I need to do to get my friend here some ice cream? I'm all closed up. Pretty please. You can say if you want to. I am never leaving, but we're going to have a really good time before you get out of here. You need to start thinking about your future, honey. This is just between us. You know that, right? We're always coming home. We're always, always coming home. That Raina is married, Joanna. Let me ask you something, Joey. Where's she been when you're doing all this babysitting? We could get a place, you and me and the girls. I'm not going to let you blow your future. Sticking around here, making seven twenty-five an hour, sneaking around with some married woman from the sticks. That's right. Uh, This is a a 2016 film. Deb Chaval is a first-time and only film director at this point. Uh, She hasn't done anything since. Uh, AWOL was actually based off of a short that she had done prior, and then she expanded it into a major film and brought in Lola Kirk as the star, uh, though uh, 
breeder, Wool, uh, reprises her role from the short as Rainer. Uh, Lola Kirk plays uh, Joey in here. Um, the film is co-written by Carolina Laklaviak. And the cinematography, and oddly, uh, the cinematography is an interesting thing, too, because uh, the cinematographer, Gal Duran, he's a guy from uh, Israel. Uh, this was his first cinematographer effort. And I actually saw him on Facebook, friend him, so I could try to get him to uh, interview for, for this uh, podcast. But uh, since I'm just some stranger, I doubt he'll accept it. And I can't <laughs> find any of these people on Twitter, except for Lola Kirk, but... I didn't even bother asking her because she's kind of a big name and uh, I doubt she would want to be interviewed for um, the film, though. I, I may actually kick something off to her uh, in the next week or two. I doubt oh, we'll get a response. But well, either way, Gal Duran, it is interesting that he uh, he hasn't really done anything since either. And uh, the cinematography in this film is absolutely unbelievable. Uh, there's a couple of scenes that I want to bring up as, as we discuss. Now, uh, who is is Lola Kirk. Lola Kirk is um, uh, an actress from a, a pretty prominent uh, entertainment family, uh, her, starting with, I believe, her father, Simon Kirk, the drummer for Bad Company, uh, and was a founding member of that band. He also was in the band Free prior to that. Uh, so uh, she has joint citizenship between the UK and the US of A, because that, her mother's American, her father is obviously a bad company uh the uk uh she her two sisters gemina and domino are also actresses and uh they've had some success as well especially uh gemina uh the lola kirk is probably the most successful of three uh the interesting thing about lola kirk is she is temporarily become a part-time actress uh because she uh, does music. Uh, she does, well, right now with the COVID, I'm sure she's not able to do concerts, but she does concerts and writes music and she plays the guitar and whatnot. So the music you see in here, this film that she's playing on the guitar, that's actually her playing the guitar and such. And uh, her album's pretty solid. I've, I've seen some music videos of her stuff. Also, uh, Brenda Wool, who uh, I'm not really familiar with, I mean, Brita Wool, I'm sorry, who I'm not really familiar with, um, she actually has done uh, acting on a show called Unreal, uh, which was, I guess, pretty popular on the Lifetime uh, and Hulu uh, series uh, that it was. And she's actually in uh, Mr. Mercedes now, too. I don't know how big of a role she has in that, uh, but uh, she is listed as one of the main cast members which is the Stephen King adaption, and that's still going on now. And uh, that's pretty much all I got here. So I guess we can get into how we heard about this film and what we thought about it. Uh, but before we do that, uh, this is, for folks who do listen to this podcast, I uh, did a small 15-minute review of the film back on episode 7 of Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Review. So folks may be saying, wasn't this already talked about once? And yeah, it was. Now this is just an expanded uh, discussion. So just a heads up. All right, so uh, Brad, let's start with you. Uh, how did you hear about this film, and uh, what did you what did you think of it? I heard of it from you. Um, I think it's well-acted, well-directed. Um, I think that cin- cin- ah, cinematography is probably the best part of the movie, but that could just because of the, be because of the tone. The tone kind of um, is is dark, a little dark to me. Um, so that uh, made this movie a little hard to watch right now for me. But it was, uh, I think it was well done. 
right, very good. Uh, yeah, for me, I actually uh, found out about this film back like 2018 or 2017. Yeah, I think it was 2018 early, like January, uh, when I was getting ready to do episode seven of Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews, uh, where I was going to do uh, reviews of a number of uh, art house LGBTQ films for Pride Month. And uh, I, I saw this one. And and so I snagged the disc. So I bought the disc for this one. And I went in blind. At the time, I hadn't even heard of Lola Kirk, to be honest. And so, uh, yeah, so I, I watched it. And uh, out of all the films I reviewed for episode seven, uh, this was actually my favorite film of the bunch. Uh, I, I love this film. This is an absolutely phenomenal film of peace of life. It has a lot to say about class and where you come from, uh, more so than even the LGBTQ experience. I also love rural America and that, that type of stuff. And, and this, this takes place in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, uh, filmed in the director, Ms. Cheval's, um hometown. And so she really uh, was able to uh, find really good sets. I loosely call them sets because they're actually real locations that weren't created perfectly for what she was trying to get for the film. Uh, or what she was trying to say in the film. And for folks who, who uh, listen to Dark Discussions podcast, which I, I am uh, one of the co-hosts, um, I've mentioned a few times that prior to doing the horror podcast, my, my favorite film genre is dramas anyway. And uh, these type of films are, are the films I, I really like. Uh, the human experience, uh, snapshot of life, things of that nature. And so again, this, this film really does fit in my wheelbarrow. Uh, so, uh, big thumbs up for me, and, and I think it's probably one of the best films I've seen in the past three years of any genre, because it's uh, this is really well done and uh, uh, phenomenal. And ever since this film, Lola Kirk has has been uh, one of my favorite actresses. Again, she hasn't done many major film roles because of her music, but uh, uh, I followed her since, and and I've uh, seen her one of her recent films, Gemini, which was really good as a thriller. Um, and again, our music is great too. But all around, all the acting was 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 pretty solid, including Brenda Wool. Um, so all right, so um, I guess uh, we can talk about uh, this film and uh, and whatnot uh, before we get into spoilers, because we're going to throw up a spoiler flag, and so folks want to go see this film. We're, we'll just talk about general things about the film. Uh, but before we do that. You can find this disc under 15 bucks, under probably 10 bucks, maybe on Amazon or Walmart or wherever you want to buy discs. Uh, unfortunately, there there is no extras on the disc, which was a major disappointment, except for the trailer. So there's no director commentary or anything. This film premiered at Tribeca Film Festival in 2016. So most of the reviews come from that, and then the film was small run on. Um, art house theaters but hadn't really been noticed uh it's got over 90 percent good reviews on rotten tomatoes and out of like 11 reviews uh so it's not a well-known film but you can also uh, rent it pretty much anywhere or buy it vod anywhere uh now where, where did you see it barrett because i think you said you you, could, you were able to see it for free somewhere yeah i saw it on prime it's on prime Right now it's on Prime. Okay, so that's good. Yeah, so uh, oh, for folks who are curious, we're recording this on June 22nd, 2020. So if it's not on Prime anymore, you know why, because uh, if you're listening to this in the future sometime, it may have already left. But. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, currently it is free, but yeah, it could go at any moment. You never know. All right. Yeah, I, I think that the film is a, a curiosity because 
uh, even though it's an LGBTQ film for sure, um, it more so than than My Summer of Love, I think. Um, I think the the uh, class system and the and the poor white rural America, which is is all but forgotten, uh, especially nowadays when when you know you have all these protests and and uh, people speaking up about certain rights for certain groups of people. Uh, this film actually um, talks about the, the, the probably the people that are forgotten the most of all because they are Caucasian and they are quote-unquote white privilege because they're Caucasian. But if anything, these people are far away from privilege as um, anybody could be. And, and because of their their race they will are forgotten and probably will be continue to be forgotten uh, because there's no one really to stand up and talk about their problems because of um i guess the the double and of being white but non-privileged um what was your thought about the all this uh, about the um culture of these small working class towns that have lost their factories or had their minds closed or the lumber has been stopped or whatever again you know you're gonna have your urban folk who'll say well you know they shouldn't have factories or they shouldn't have this or that but again you know when you're li- living a nine-to-five job that's paying good money and you were probably a tr- example of privilege and yet they want to comment about these folk who have n- nothing and have, have no certainly no future but no easy solution of how to get out and, and move on to something in bigger and better to live that quote unquote American dream that so many people nowadays say it doesn't exist. Any, any thoughts on that? Um, well, firstly to go along your line of the forgotten. So not only are they forgotten because they're in a very poor area, but they're also, um, they're lesbians. And so it's, it's also very difficult for them because of that. Um, and you, you see that kind well, of well well let's let's stop the lesbian part at at, at first because I, w- I want to talk because that's what we're going to talk about too but I w- I'm talking about all the people in the film because the people yeah, are talking oh, about yeah. that because again this film this film is thrown into the LGBTQ two lead characters but I think the director is really making more commentary or equally making a commentary on poor white America. And where she came from herself, Deborah uh, Chauvel, um, the director came from. Um, so, so what about that? Commenting on that over the the LGBTQ part first. Well, it is definitely making a point of showing how that community is is set. You know, I mean, they don't have a lot of prospects. There's going job to job to job. Um, I, you know, I spent a lot of time in middle to Western Pennsylvania, because I have a lot of relatives there. And you would see as the coal industry started, you know, coming less and less, you would see a lot of people struggling harder and harder. Um, and you'd see, you'd see that in the towns and how they as well kept, um, things like that, you know? Um, so yeah, I would agree that it's, it is kind of about that forgotten area. Sure, sure. Yeah, my family's not from Pennsylvania. They're actually from uh, New England, specifically Massachusetts. 
uh, or, or originally coming down from Maine and, and, and various other places. But they, they all worked in the, the mill factories, which um, New England is well known for. Many of the mills uh, still exist, but they've been turned into uh, condominiums or office buildings for white uh, call jobs, to be honest, which is kind of interesting because what happened was uh, there used to be textile companies and then mismanagement by the state government and whatnot screws up everything and then what happened was the north and south carolina offered tax breaks and all these mills companies fled new england and they all moved down to the carolinas before finally moving down to brazil and mexico and and vietnam and and china and wherever and when that happened you know all these inner cities and when i say inner cities i'm talking about small cities like wilkes barre pennsylvania or in new england similar you know have their fall river lawrence and lowell massachusetts and lynn massachusetts and whatnot and the the plight literally just just like ravages the, the entire community and and people begin to struggle and 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 whatever and i don't know if there's any solution well, I mean, there's the problem is the coal industry, like in Pennsylvania, especially the coal industry was huge. And, you know, there's not really a straight solution for replacing coal in Pennsylvania because, you know, <laughs> what what are you going to switch to that's going to constantly generate income that's equal to coal? I mean, I've noticed when I've gone to Pennsylvania recently, there's a lot more windmills <laughs> I see. But, you know, the coal companies would go through and strip mine an area and take everything out, and then they'd leave, too. So it's not, you know, not everything was based on coal becoming areas mined all the coal and then were moved on. You know what I mean? So that's a kind of a double problem there. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. And then, you know, you have the environmental laws that come in place and, and taxes and and better types of fuel and, and whatever and you know there's there's reasons that happen you know good and bad uh but again that always affects the people who are on the ground and anybody else and, and the or, or can, even the factory owner yeah the people that can least afford it are usually affected the most <laughs> exactly yeah yeah yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, and then there's a couple of scenes in here uh, that we'll talk about. There's one scene that I really want to talk about uh, when we get into the movie um, about a scene where, where our lead, uh, jo- Joey, played by Laura Kirk, uh, known as Joanna, um, meets a wealthy woman and, and the things that go on there. It's, it's really interesting to show the difference between rural america i don't know just just the class itself i guess and and the mindset and the irrationality of both yeah the fairly wealthy progressive liberal as well as the naivety of the poor white rural town people and um, how i would i would say that it's not it's more about class than it is i mean at least that part of it is more about class um, because you could have a poor white person in an urban center that there's the same difference, you know what I mean, between them and this person oh, that's yeah. really rich. Um, this focuses on the rural experience, I think, more just from that perspective when she meets up with that person with a lot of money. I think that could have been <laughs> any person that doesn't have a lot of money. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. There's no doubt that that huge 
urban centers uh, like uh, Baltimore and Detroit and and wherever um, have as much poverty as we would see in a rural section. Um, again, though, uh, I, I I'm talking about the rural folk specifically, specifically because that, that's that's the point of the film. It's it's talking about the rural folk. Uh, but in the big picture, you're absolutely right. Poverty throughout the world, and even the United, and specifically the United States, whether city or rural, uh, is a big problem for sure. Well, and what's uh, interesting so that, about good. about the scene you're talking about is that it's like a rich person that you know has their <laughs> summer mansion <laughs> down wherever they are. You know what I mean? Because it feels out of place to the rest of the city for sure. That or place that she's in. Or didn't you yeah. feel that way? Yeah, absolutely, it does. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no I, I agree one hundred percent. I mean, uh, to be honest, is is always every every poor community has their wealthy area, right? I mean, oh yeah. So yeah, but but compared to the, for this film here, th- this is the only time where we see the wealthy area, like you said, a summer cottage, which is really a mansion, um, compared to the rest of this film, which focuses on the downtown historic area of uh, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. That's a, that's a fair point. Well, so it's almost world. Yeah, and you also get the um, the whole way out is through the military, too, feel um, from this movie. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that uh, is true. I mean, that that's, uh, happens for a lot of folk, especially back uh, in our father's time and, mm-hmm. and mother's time. When when uh, the 50s and 40s and 60s and whatever, where where a lot of people would, would join the military uh, for a better life, because if you're if you're dirt poor like my father, who didn't have central heating and lived in a, you know, had to have fires in a fireplace just to get heat when he was in his rural poor town, um, or my mother who lived in tenement buildings in in Lowell, Massachusetts, um, you know, the, the only way sometimes to get out is to uh, do the military specifically because the military will help pay for, for college or, or get you a trade that you otherwise wouldn't be able to, to learn gone into the military. So, so yeah, that, this, this is uh, one of the, the few areas that even today um, poor folk or rural poor um, could use to possibly get out of, I guess, the generational poverty. That was a good, that's a good point. Now the LGBTQ part, which is as is important to the film. It's just, I wanted to start with the, the, the poverty part first, because I've never seen a LGBTQ film uh, focus on the, the poverty as much as this one did. But let's talk about the LGBTQ part. Let's talk about the two characters. We have, we have Joey and Raina who are, are um, very poor folk generally and one's a closeted lesbian woman or bisexual woman and the other is pretty pretty much open i guess uh, her whole family knows is there anything we can talk about before we throw up the spoiler then i, I get well i guess we can right, let's let's talk about yeah it's good times throw it up yeah uh, so we're going to talk about everything and anything and uh the, the really the only big twist is is the last 30 minutes of the film uh because the rest is a, just a general drama but still you know if you don't want to be spoiled, you know, you want to watch it to see what happens without us talking about it. Please go see the film and, and then you can come back and listen. But otherwise, if you don't care, such as some of our listeners like Kevin Letts, who uh, 
likes to hear us uh, talk about a film, even if he hasn't seen it, uh, please uh, continue listening. So, all right, let's do that. So uh, let's talk about Raina first. Raina is a woman who is probably mid to late 30s, uh, is married with two children. The husband is a truck driver, so his his hours are obviously much different than um, the normal nine-to-five employee. So she happens to be alone with her two children a lot, and, and then she visits, I guess she's close to her grandmother. And um, she comes from a family that is the definition of uh, and this is the words from the people in the film, not me specifically, uh, trash. Um, her mother was a, a fentanyl seller or something, and um, all her aunts and uncles were criminals or, or drug users. Um, her grandmother is the only one that seems to be fairly normal, but you know she didn't have much support in bringing up the kids. And so it is what it is. Uh, Raina is what I guess we call a wild child. Um, very flashy, uh, pretty, um, but um, appears to uh, not want to be judged by society. So she happened to um, get married and have children, even though um, in a more progressive time, or more progressive area, maybe she would have done something different. But also, a lot of it is to do, do getting married was also a way to get support because of it was allowed her to escape her um, her family in a sense too. So it's the double double thing, which is the marriage helps her at least have some support, even if it is a, a poor family, I guess. Uh, what's your opinion about any of that? Anything about her situation, not her as, her as a human being? Um, I think she's very situation aware, and she she knows that getting married will get her out of, you know, a worse life. <laughs> um, it may not exactly be what she wants, but she sees it as security. Um. I, you know, part of me is not sure about her character. Like, I'm not sure she even really. She's bisexual, I would say, um, but I'm not sure how interested she really is in the other person. As far as like, does she love her? Does she care about her? I'm not sure about that, especially at the end of the movie. Um, it. That that her character kind of bothers me. I don't like her very much. <laughs> right. Well, and that's that's fair. Um, yeah, she seems like I mean, an opportunist. Let's say that she seems like an opportunist, and she takes advantage of the people aside from maybe her kids, who just seem like props anyway. Um, right. Yeah, she's not very likable. Yeah, yeah, she is a complicated character. I think, though. I mean. Her, her husband probably knows what's going on. Her grandmother most certainly knows. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they they're very forgiving of her and her uh, dalliances. But her uh, husband included. That's the part yeah. that gets me. I, I just I was surprised at that. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a he's a 
I mean, he's working class, and you know, some people may say that he's whatever, but um, the thing is, is they um, he still seems like a fairly decent guy generally, anyway, and um, the I think he has something, and he doesn't want to lose it, so he's willing to forgive and forget, uh, unlike say other men and 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 you know some men would be violent some men would would leave um and some men would just put their head in the sand i think he's just forgiving and he's he he is very aware he's not putting his head in the sand no he's Um, not (laughs) he definitely knows what's going on yeah um and she's a complicated person because again she comes from a terrible situation you know her, her mother was was trash uh her mother's boyfriends molested her and various things like that um but she herself yeah she has a bad reputation around uh the area people say that she's trash uh, a lot of people think she is exactly what you said which is uh someone they don't like most likely because she's a manipulative person um uses people um, but also she's complicated because she most certainly doesn't want to be, um, I guess, quote unquote, tainted for any a lack of a better term as a person um, of a minority sexual orientation. And so she's scared as hell to have that be found out, too. Um so she it's very complicated. However, she has made her bed and which is having two children, which is having a husband and all this. So the question is does should she just suck it up and you know live that life that she chose even if she chose because of little opportunity both uh financially as well as being scared to be targeted by bigots or should she bail and uh, go live the quote unquote life that she really wants. But again, it's like, does she really want to have an open lesbian relationship or is she the type of person that would just move on to someone else anyway? It's like you said, yeah, it's, I don't know. She's, what do you think? You think, well, and it's, it's, I'm I feel my what I feel about her character is as complicated as her character is because there are times when I think she cares about Joey times but I think she's so caught up in safety that she can't ever really go there you know what I mean right. She also and, has and responsibilities safe. that Joey doesn't have too so right Right. Yeah, the safety, I think, is having a roof over her head and also not being targeted by bigots. Exactly. And the responsibilities are two children and, and um, yeah, I guess the two children. That, that would be, I mean, that's, that's enough of a responsibility right there. Um, right, now let's talk about Joey a little bit. Um, Joey's more of a tomboy, and again, when we say tomboy, 
we're using the terms of what people say in this film. The word tomboy is repeated over and over by all the characters. So rather than saying you're some derogatory um, term for a lesbian or even just using the word lesbian, they all, everybody uses the word tomboy instead. And so it's just, uh, so we're just going to, or at least I'm just going to use that term. Uh, anyway, so she's tomboy. So whatever you think of a stereotypical tomboy is what you see in this film where, you know, we're uh, a lot of, um, not necessarily non-feminine clothes, but just not feminine in a sense. Right. I mean, she, she looks good. And no matter what she wears, you put her like Marilyn Monroe, you put a potato sack on her and she, she's a 10. I mean, Lola Kirk is, is an absolutely beautiful woman in real life. Uh, never mind in this film, but, um, to make her be less feminine, they just have her wear less makeup and, and more, um, ordinary looking, um, lounge clothes, I guess. Right. I mean, jeans and, and sweatshirt, jeans and t-shirt, that type of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what, what do you think about her character? I, I, I like her. Obviously, I like her a lot, but I think she may be a little naive. Uh, naive would be polite, and dense would be uh, the unpolite way to, to put it. <laughs> I wouldn't call her dense. I would call her – she's definitely naive, but she hasn't even had an opportunity to really – go anywhere and experience anything. Um, so, you know, it's more of an ignorance than being dense. It's ignorance and naivete, I would say, are her her flaws, her biggest flaws. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, both the lead characters haven't left Pennsylvania often. Uh, like uh, Raina said, she only has left Pennsylvania once in her entire life. And that was to see a Bon Jovi concert in New Jersey with her mother and her mother's boyfriend when she was a kid. Um, and now, you know, if she's 38, 37 years old, she hasn't left the state in, in 25 years uh, or, or even 30 years for that matter. Um, and uh, Joey hasn't had much experience either um, leaving the area of Wilkes-Barre. Uh, so that's a fair point. Also, um, Joey is probably 18 or 19 years old, maybe. Yeah. Because uh, she just graduated from high school. It's the summer after she graduates from high school. Um, at that point, you figure she's 18 at the the youngest and oldest, probably 19. Um, so you're right. She's not as worldly. Um, also, she may have not have been, I guess, burnt yet in life. So, well, first of all, being... LGBTQ and fairly open about it. Um, her prospects in a, in a town like Wilkes-Barre uh, may not be as good to meet people as, say, if she was in a high school in New York City or, or Boston or Baltimore or any big urban center. Um, so she may have not have really ever been in love. So when she meets Rainer, maybe that was her first true love. Um, and also like a lot of people who are in love, no matter what your preference is, um, love blinds people a lot. And, oh yeah. And so <laughs> even if the person is bad news or damaged that you are falling for heavy, um, a lot of times people will overlook that just because, um, whatever failing they get 
when they're near the person that they love is good enough to overlook the negativity of that person that they do love. And if that could be part of it too. So you're right. It may be net naivety because it's like, why when she knows the whole thing is foolish because, you know, the, the woman is, has two kids. She doesn't appear to want to go public. She doesn't appear to want to leave her husband at points, at least most of the film. So yeah. why would she have this fantasy of having a life with this woman in the first place? And, and again, you know, obviously, uh, I don't want to talk about the title too much because that can the title itself is kind of a spoiler. But um, you read the, the the wiki or the description of the film before we started talking about it, that she's a recent graduate from high school and is about to join the military to find a way out of the situation uh, that she is in, which is no future in a small town with no prospects. So if she's going to join the military um, and leave the area, you would think if she wasn't naive, she would think, okay, I can find meet someone else somewhere in a different part country i can start over i can whatever um and even even that you figure there's more than one lgbtq person she or lesbian she could meet even in her hometown of wilkes-barre but well that brings up the point of her meeting that that rich girl i mean that's where i thought her she would start having some awareness But you got to also remember that I, I feel Raina's manipulating her pretty big, especially there's one scene when they're in a tub and she's she makes her feel guilty for not going with her, <laughs> not wanting to escape with her out to somewhere, wherever they would run to. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, sp- speaking of that wealthy girl that she uh, basically after Rainer and her kind of break up for a bit. Um, she meets this wealthy chick, um, and, uh, the wealthy chick actually, there's a lot of interesting things about it because, uh, the wealthy chick is going to like Cornell or something like that. And, and all her friends, they're all progressive people like the, you know, a bunch of girls that are either feminists or environmentalists or, you know, whatever cause, you know, girls with causes, I guess. Yeah. Or, I think one of them is going to West Lane. One of them's going to West Lane and yeah, they are. Exactly, I mean, they're yeah. just, they're, they all obviously have money and they all see the world very differently than her. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the, they're kind of stereotypical to these college young women, you know, and whatnot. And, and the thing is, is that, the stereotypical stuff, like you know, they're they like sushi. They're veg, they're vegan, ve- vegans, whatever the term is. They're, oh, you know, all that stuff. So, whatever you can think of as a, a enlightened, progressive young woman in college, this is what all these wealthy girls are, kind of sort of. Yeah. Um, Someone who hasn't had to probably work to be in college and just gets to go and yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so we we have uh, the there's one interesting thing, and I brought this up 
in episode seven when I talked about this film is that the wealthy girl that she does hook up with, Joey hooks up with, um, is a minority individual, uh, a wealthy, very wealthy, but uh, a minority individual. And the, and the film is, is very interesting with, with minority portrayal because the wealthy woman is, I guess, either black or mulatto, you know, mixed race or something. And the party that her mother works as a maid for is a party, another wealthy family. And that wealthy family is a Jewish family. Um, so that it is interesting that the wealthy families in this film are not only different than the poor white Gentiles that, the majority of the characters are in the film, but they stand apart, not just because they are wealthy and elite, but they're also of a diff- different um, background too. Uh, one being black slash mulatto, the other being uh, Jewish folk. And uh, I thought that was interesting to be honest. Um, um, and I'm not sure why the director did that, um, but it's, it was for obviously casting choices for the, the wealthy girl and obvious um, Jewish uh, uh, items in the house for the Jewish family. And yeah. uh, so I don't know. It, it is curious. It's, it's uh, hard to say if it was on purpose or not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it would probably have to be on purpose, right? I mean, you would think, but it just depends on if that person that was cast as the girl that she hooks up with was just the best person for the part, or oh, you know, right, if that right. was that, a distinct that, choice. That that's true. That's true. Uh, I, I guess I was thinking also of the of the Jewish items. They didn't. That was definitely on purpose. Yeah, yeah I, I'm yeah, just talking yeah. about both in general. Yeah. Sure. Sure. No, and that's fair. Um, now, uh, the th- interesting thing about the the wealthy girl that she hooks up with she, there's a few things that, that are curious like they, they're talking about their backgrounds are you out to your family and whatever and then she, she says what type of the wealthy girl says what type of people are you looking for at a date and uh, Joey says you know pretty girls or whatever girls and obviously the, I think she says yeah girls <laughs> obviously right and then the wealthy girl immediately does the progressive move to her Honor by saying, I find I find the term "girl" uh, offensive. Yeah. Unless and 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 if you really do mean girls, I would that would basically mean you're a pedophile, because it's not a term for uh, adult woman. And Joey's like completely confused. Exactly. You I know? just used the word "girl." What's yeah. the problem? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And again, certain people, depending on your. Um, viewpoint will understand either way, but obviously the director and screenwriter are trying to basically show how out of touch these wealthy people are to the plight of the ordinary individual, not just poor, but also common uh, word usage. Um, because some people, okay, sure. Some people say, okay, girl is, is kind of silly because they're not girls. They're young women or adults or whatever. And I try to always, 
um, you change the term on this podcast specifically because I don't want to get hate mail by saying you use the term girl and they're woman. You know, so you know you, you get you get those those things every so often hate mail for about absolutely nothing from uh, keyboard warriors. But yeah, like I like I always say, you guys, and it, there could be girls and you know boys or men and women in that grouping. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, <laughs> I know that's not PC to say anymore either. I get crap for that. Yeah, well, a lot of girls will say uh, that I know will say. I, I don't see what the big deal is when you say guys. That's that means everybody. While yeah. some people say no, that just means boys or men. I'm you being know, part of the patriarchy by saying that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so the director, who is a woman, and I think is LGBTQ, obviously was trying to make a point about how people who may be progressive in their lifestyle aren't necessarily speaking for everybody who is in the same lifestyle as they. Well, it's almost interesting, like by being, they're saying they're progressive, but they're almost conservative in like, you can't use a word a certain way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and, it's, and, and it's true. It's, it's an interesting thing. And, and that's why, why I love that scene a lot. Well, I love this movie completely. This movie is just absolute phenomenal because it puts everything in a certain way from a LGBTQ perspective. And yet it talks about so many things besides LGBTQ. It's also talking about how certain elite people or privileged people, no matter what their ethnicity or race is or religion is and how they look at the world and talk about the world and don't have to worry about things that most people have to worry about. And they're so clueless because when you are triggered over a word by someone who you're planning to sleep with, who's also minority because she is LGBTQ just as you are. And that girl says girl and you're triggered because she said girl. And then actually say, if you, if you like girls or a pedophile, then it just shows you the, the complete lack of common sense that some of these elite people have and their inexperience with the world, how other people who aren't like them have to work in the world that they have been granted by their um, class or their, their, exactly. uh, you know, and, and it was, it really was a great scene. And then I loved how you could have, you could have a conservative person in the same exact situation, not a progressive that has the same mindset. <laughs> yeah, has, absolutely. You know, and it would just be the reverse side of it, but it would be the exact same thing. And it's just like a flip of the coin. <laughs> and it makes it very interesting. Right. Well, and you could have any anybody, a non-political person or non-word uh, word Nazi person like Joey and change the character to anybody that is just non apolitical or non-political be shocked when they say the word girl and they get attacked so not only get attacked get 
referenced with pedophiles. Exactly. And the thing is, is that the person that is being called or, or being attacked or being called out is herself a, 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 a person who's a minority because of her sexuality and is also a woman herself. So it's not like it was a white cis male who said it that is apolitical or even is political. Say he was a right wing conservative who said girl. That's one thing, but here's a person that in theory is in the same group as the wealthy girl, at least sexuality wise. And she's got, and, and gender wise. And, and yet she still had no issue attacking her too. Right. Exactly. You know, and, and it also shows the cluelessness of this wealthy woman because, well, Joey is working class. Joey didn't have the schooling she had. Joey is forced to go to the military to get uh, a skill set so she can get um, a college um, tuition, possibly, and all these other things. And she and this woman already knows all this. And yet still, she's so clueless in her own world that she would actually get triggered over Joey saying uh, girls. Well, it's really interesting too. And she takes her to dinner with all her equally rich friends. They see her as a curiosity. Yes. They want to ask her all these questions like that are almost offensive. Oh, absolutely. The one of the best questions at the dinner was when they said, Oh, so you're in the military. The military is such a, uh, uh, terrible place. They're, they they treat women like shit, and they you know they sexually abuse them and whatever. What's your opinion of the military? And and she's already gone through boot camp, so this is uh, you know when she's come back um, to you know for a week off or whatever. Um, and she says to these girls, she goes, "Oh well, the military is like anywhere else. Uh, a lot of good people, and just like anywhere else, there's a lot of bad people, jerks. It's just like anywhere else." Yeah, and her response like, is perfect. <laughs> yeah, and and they were like clueless and didn't understand her. And and also the the girl that brought her to the dinner was almost using her like a prop. Like look yeah, at my, yeah. my little toy here. Yes, yeah. exactly. And it, it's funny because those those rich people in that scene, they're probably also cut off. They're only around people like themselves all the time. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah yeah the same exactly and uh and so they're like looking at her like not, not only as a curiosity but also as a probably by the time they leave they probably look at her as a piece of crap because it's like oh my god she actually defended people in the military or oh my god she actually did you know and yet she's in the military so what's she going to do say that i hate the military i mean it's, it's just yeah. the whole thing was bizarre um and then the end scene there's two and there's two things that end up in this scene, and we haven't even got into the relationship between Rainer and, and Joey yet. But this scene is still another important part of it, which is um, th- when they do finally have uh, sexual relations. We find out that the wealthy girl is just exploiting um, Joey in the first place because she pulls out a strap on and boots and says, "Use these when you when you you know." Whatever, and Joey was just expecting a normal, um, you know, roll in the hay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then she's like, completely like, what, you know, and then not only that, but 
she then le- leaves the house and has to walk home. Yeah, she doesn't get a ride. She has to walk. She doesn't get a and ride. in the distance, you can see the huge mansion that she's leaving and the gate <laughs> that she gets through. Exactly. So, so no Uber, no taxi, or no dr- drive by the girl in the first place who drove her to her own house. She doesn't even offer to drive her home. And so Joey has to walk all the way back to town. Um, so basically, um, exploited her at dinner, insulted her, used her, and then kicked her out, basically. Yep. It was just amazing. It was just an absolutely amazing scene um, because a lot of folks forget that this stuff happens even by the quote-unquote good team, quote-unquote good team. I use that very loosely uh, because <laughs> a good team – I mean, a lot of films have, have done this. Get Out shows the same thing. It um, shows the wealthy, progressive, elite, privileged white folk who pretend they're – um, you know, woke, and in reality, they're the quote unquote white devils, and the and and that was that was the point of that film, and and this film here, I think, shows kind of the same thing, where you get these wealthy people, even though the wealthy people happen to be minorities themselves, they are the same, where they pretend they're woke and they're this and that, and they just shit on the poor people, and I think Deborah. Uh, Chevelle, and again, this is m- just my assumption because uh, I haven't read any um, interviews that she's done, but I think she's very protective of the poor white rural um, community that she probably herself comes from and how they are the for- truly forgotten people because no one speaks up for them specifically because they happen to be Caucasian and as a result they already quote unquote have a step above other folk who aren't Caucasian even though they have no future either Uh, but that's just my opinion or not even opinion my assumption of what the director is is trying to explain in, in this film of the characters that she's focusing on yeah, and I think that feeling is is definitely in there. Um, now let, let's talk about um, the relationship uh, between uh, Raina and Joey. Uh, Raina is uh, she really goes after Joey at first? Right? She initiates. Yep, she definitely initiates. Joey's working in a, a fair, doing you know, selling ice cream, uh, and Raina and she share a glance. And so Raina shows up at the end of the day and climbs into the ice cream place and gets her to come with her, gets Joey to come with her. And they go to, I guess it's like a little party, like an outside fire. Is that what you Yeah. Said? Yeah. I would say that. Yeah. Yeah. And then they, well, it was, you know what it was? It was outside her trailer, right? Or, or a little house or whatever she lives in. I, oh I yeah. My, like in the backyard. Yeah. 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 So they have like a, a fire pit in the backyard and they all hang out there and, and um Joey um was supposed to was supposed to go play in the garage band that she does with her brother in law, but instead uh gets talked into playing guitar around the campfire because well, there's this hot chick that she wants to hook up with. Yeah. And, and um sure enough, um 
that's the reason why Raina asked her to hang out because she sure enough wanted to hook up with uh, Joey. Um, Joey wakes up the next morning um, and she finds out that Raina isn't a party girl and she has actually two kids and is married, which she didn't know. Um, and uh, But she's hooked in a sense because the yeah, rest I'd of the say group, she's hooked right, right there. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's unfortunate. Um, the, the problem of puppy love or f- first love or whatever, it blinds you by, from reality um, and and whatnot. So, again, though, uh, you know, Rainer is some of the fault because she kind of says things to reel in um Joey back and you know back in every so often when she begins to have doubts and stuff. Um, well, at first you think she's going to do the right thing, and then later on she definitely makes things way worse, and she definitely becomes kind of a villain, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, by the end of the film, the only character that really lo- comes out of the film as as a true villain is and only is um Raina's character. Um she ha- lives up to the reputation as trash by the end of the film. Uh yeah. again trash is the term they use in the film not not what I'm saying about uh the the the, the, the white rural community. Um because even even the husband is not a villain uh, her no. husband you know. No, not at all. Yeah, um, he might. He might partially. I, I will talk about that though. At the very end, I, I'm a little curious as to what you think. What? But when we get into the end, we'll talk about that. Sure, sure. Um. So, uh, yeah. So the basically is uh, uh, Joey does something stupid, which is she wants to uh see Rainer again. So she heads over to Rainer's house uh, uh without being invited. And the husband's there playing cards with some of his friends. And so they have to, Raina has to make up a fake story and say that Joey is, was the babysitter that she uses um, when, you know, the husband's out of town doing the truck driving. And Joey just want I mean, Raina just wants to get out and hang out with her friends. She says Joey is the person she uses as the babysitter and she's just here to collect her money. What's interesting about that, though, is, okay... We definitely know that the grandmother knows that Raina has has a thing for tomboys and has done this multiple times. And I would be willing to bet that the husband does too. We've we've already alluded to that. We think that. Um, so it, it's almost, you know, subterfuge for him to be acting like he doesn't know to her. Do you know what I mean? Right. Because well, he's part, you know, he's part of this whole lie amongst themselves. Yes, you're absolutely right. He is not a facilitator of the lie, but he is willing to go along with the lie to cover, to 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 bring his wife back into the fold. And probably not to look bad in front of his friends who are sitting right there. Right. Well, <laughs> and, and to be honest, this is the first time he's met the girl, meaning Joey. And yeah. again, I said girl, so no hate mail. Um, but it could be, in his eyes, possibly true. Because he's in his eyes, because he says, so uh, when you were watching the kids, where was Raina? And Raina says, oh, I was just out. 
but she was very vague. And so the husband was, I was think asking where was Raina to Joey, not because he knew they were hooked up or hanging out, but he really wanted to know what was Raina doing while you were watching the kids. And yeah, then, I feel like, part of him. I feel part of him was wondering that, but I also feel part of him was wondering was she hooking up with her. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think it was it was probably a fifty fifty, right? He, he yeah. He, I mean, when she says how much do I owe you, and he, she says twenty, he he may have actually believed it because you know okay, here's the twenty, whatever. But you're right. I think he was still trying to figure out whether or not is this the new fling for Rayner. Or is this really the babysitter? Or maybe both. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How many babysitters has he paid in the last, you know, six months? (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, So, yeah, so that didn't didn't go well. Um, And then they meet up later in a bar to talk it over a little bit and stuff. And Joey's saying, why don't you you know, come out and whatever and, and, you know, you know, dump your husband and take the two kids and and move in with me. And, you know, rain is like, you know, I mean, you don't have any skills. Why would I do that? Yeah. Get a uh, job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go learn something. Right. Right. And she kind of alludes also that she doesn't want to come out either. Right. I mean, yeah. there's no way she would be able to hang out. Still, and I don't think she, I mean, I think she wants a better life, but I don't think she wants to leave. Yeah, and I don't think she necessarily loves her husband either. I mean, I, yeah. I think she's kind of done with him, but she's in. It's that safety thing again. She, you know, he can provide yeah. for her, so she's going to stay there unless something right. better comes along. Well, and that's the thing: is, is she not in love with her husband because of the normal things, or is it she not in love with her husband because? She's just a selfish SOB. Yeah, and, and exactly. Like, it's hard to yeah, say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I mean, she, I mean, the husband's not a bad guy necessarily or anything like that. But the thing is, is is she looking for something better? Or, well, first of all, she's she's probably more attracted to tomboys than than men and her husband anyway, uh, because after they have sex once. Um, he says, uh, you, you used to like it. And she goes, and she wouldn't yep. answer, you know, and, yep. which, you know, so, so I think, I think a lot of it is she's kind of, and, and I know I always get laughed at when I say this term, I think she's a sociopath. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. I just think that's funny. Um, she is, she, she definitely has some issues. I wouldn't say she's a sociopath because I do think she feels, I even think she feels something for Joey, but the problem is what she is broken because her mom being on meth and not having such a good childhood growing up has made her dependent on feeling safe. Yeah. And so there is a point where she goes with Joey later on. And I think at first her intentions are pure somewhat but in the end she falls back to that safety net and you know that just is ultimately her safe space so she can't get past that so i wouldn't say she's a sociopath but i would say that she's 
she's got a deep flaw that causes her to hurt other people. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's definitely something going on that makes her be the way she is. And and right, it may not be sociopath, but but it's definitely um, she's damaged goods. Yeah, but I do think she cares, so that's why I would say she's not a sociopath. I would say that yeah. she she cares about her kids, and she cares. She I think she cares about her husband. I just don't think she loves him. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, yeah, and that's fair. That's fair. Um, she's manipulative, I guess. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's for sure. That's for sure. Um, oh, and, and she's selfish too. Extremely. Um, because to be honest, her husband and her kids are as much victims as Joey is, in a sense, a lot of the times in this film. Oh yeah, because the kids are exposed to her cheating on her husband because she does it constantly while the kids are around. Right. Yeah. She has, she doesn't have any compunction about that. It seems like, I mean, she tries to hide it, but (laughs) they know what's going on. Um, and yeah, it's interesting because at first I think she's, she's not so bad a person when she gets, when she finally tells Joey, Hey, you should go join the military. And she drops her off. I, you know what? And I think that's pot selfish too. I don't think it was her, being nice, I, I and I'll I tell agree. you why. I think no, I agree with you. I think it's both. <laughs> yeah, I, I think what it was is how do I get rid of this love-struck chick or girl or whatever you want to, the term you want to use. Again, the the term there. I'm just using the terms from the that that um, Rainer would be using, um, and not hurt her, but get her, you know get rid of her um because again she's becoming a complication she's showing up my husband's kind of figuring out what's going on and i gotta end this because i've decided that i don't want to take that next step which would be going public and ruining uh my reputation around town and again when i say reputation again first of all she doesn't have much of a reputation anyway because a lot of people call her quote-unquote trash but i her in her eyes being called out as lesbian publicly in her town would ruin her reputation, at, at least in her eyes. And so she doesn't want that to be known. So this is her failings. Again, I'm not saying that being a lesbian is a bad reputation. What I'm saying is Rainer's eyes, she ha- wants to remain closeted. Even if she is messy when she goes about her her cheating because again, her grandmother even knows that she's been hanging out with tomboys for obvious reasons. Um, well, and I would say it's not just that though. I think there's also that selfish part of her that hopes that Joey will get skills and money and then maybe she can run away. I think she's kind of divided on what she wants. Yeah. Well, and that shows that she's unrealistic and naive as well. Right. Because we're talking about someone that, is has signed up for a th- is going to have to sign up for a three year, um, uh, I guess at least that's what they say in the in the film. Because usually, if you sign up, it's usually two. But for some reason, it's three here. Um, it's two unless it, for the army, it's two usually, and if it's the air force and navy, it's usually four. Look like the army, her, what she goes into. Yeah, so we're only talking about the army here, but for whatever reason, she says it's going to be a three-year term, and I think what it is is that you go into the army for two years, and then you get that, the, you get 
if you go for three, you get that one year of extra training, which in, in a special skill, so you can become like a uh, a mechanic or an air, air, uh, helicopter repair person, or, you know, whatever. And then you go do your regular two years duty after that. So I think that's what she's doing, where she's signing up for three years. And so Raina, if that's the case, that Raina actually thinks that Joey could come, you know, in three years from now we can hang out. Again, three years is a short time, but it also is a very long time. Um, mm-hmm. Especially when you're just waiting for something. So right. we're talking about where in three years we're thinking that Joey isn't necessarily going to find someone else, or Rainer would just say, "Okay, the fling's over. She's gone now. Uh, who's next?" So for the, for either of them to think in three years from now, once I'm a, again, it's not like they're three three years and they're they're local and they're going to be able to see each other. Three years where uh, one of the people meaning Joey, is going to be gone probably 11 months out of the 12 months a year. Right. Well, and it's interesting, that whole scene, that sexual scene with them right in front of the Army recruitment station in broad daylight. I thought that was a little weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that, that's part of the, the, the problem with Rainer, who wants to remain, quote-unquote, closeted for two reasons. One, she doesn't want her husband to know that she's a cheater. And two... She doesn't want to be known to be out, but she wants to lead Joey along. <laughs> right, exactly. And 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 the messiness of how she does these relationships, like like you said, right in front of the army recruit office or whatever, shows how uh, messy she is. Because again, how does her grandmother know she's had a lot of tomboy relationships? if she hadn't been discreet about it. Right, and it's not just her relationships. She's also a problem, according to other people. Like, she causes, she gets in trouble, which I would assume also other people get into trouble because of her. Because they're worried about her getting in trouble, Joey getting in trouble specifically. Right. Exactly, because they're saying that, basically they say that you don't want to, again, her family knows that she's, she's gay and they also know that she's having a relationship with Raina and they say, they say it's stupid because she's married and she's with kids, but they also say that she's trash and they also say that she's a very bad influence and you could get in trouble because she's manipulative, you know, and, and again, we don't even know her, but we don't really know enough, enough about either of the characters to really know, but Based off of how the people talk about Rainer, we're talking about someone that's probably been in trouble with the law, someone that's probably uh, burned a lot of bridges with a lot of people. And as a result, for you, Joey, to hook up with Rainer and fall in love with Rainer, you're going to be the next victim and you're or you're going to get in trouble, too. Which is borne out. <laughs> Yeah, actually, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable what happens in this film because here we have this young woman, eighteen, nineteen year old woman, who actually has a couple of skills uh, that could be usable from a guitar player and singer to a mechanic, and 
never mind very the chance to get a college degree uh as well you know um she has her whole future ahead of her because she hasn't again her future is limited because of where she comes from and, and the amount of money her family has but she's young enough and has enough skills that she could become pure middle class or even even better than that if she doesn't screw up. Yep. Unfortunately, she met Raina. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I wouldn't and, even say that she screwed up aside from trusting Raina. Right. Well, and, and that's the thing, is that, okay, she, what she should have done, if she was going to screw up and hook up with Raina, she should have just made it a fling and that's it. If she had done that, she could have just moved on with her life, and it wouldn't be any issues. Um, because she was going to the army to learn to become a mechanic. I mean, a, a, a truly trained mechanic, because she is a jack of all trades now. But if she goes to the military, she's going to get the certificate. She's going to get uh, probably some engineering skills, electrician skills, all those skills that you need, uh, computer skills, because a lot of um, today's vehicles are all computer run now. They're not just, you know, all mechanical like they were back in the 70s or 80s when, when we were growing up. Um, so, you know, that that's huge. And then, of course, she's going to get the GI Bill after uh, and to go to college. Um, but she shows a lot of sloppiness herself throughout the film. And I think one of the biggest sloppinesses that I saw immediately was really made me think that this film was going to go to the dark side was when she admitted to her brother-in-law that she didn't bother returning this gauge to the military and instead took it home with her. And the, and the gauge is like $3,000. It's basically one of those, I forget what they're called, but it's one of those things that you can plug into like computers on cars or computers on trucks or helicopters mm -hmm. and it'll yep. immediately read out everything. And I forget, I forget what they're called, but they're themselves are, very uh, computerized and therefore cost a lot of money. So and she's, let me ask a question about that. So she's talking about that with her brother-in-law when they're in that store, right? Right. And this is where and that's when Raina's husband, husband comes up, right? Right. And this yes. is the part that I find most interesting, which is make what makes me think less possibly of him because the only way Raina could have found out about that piece of equipment was through him. And she says later on, that's how she found out. Yeah. So he is almost, to me, a part of it. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. That's the question. Did, and, and this is, this is, and again, the movie, I read a bunch of reviews after this film last night, uh, and I've seen the film, like, this is my third time. Um, but I decided to read all these reviews, and, and a lot of them are, contradict themselves. Some of them say that, um, Joey's naive. Others think she's say that she's smart, but not naive. It's just kind of kind of funny how all these different reviewers saw different things um, on the characters. But um, 
none of them, not one of them, mentioned did Rainer at this point in the movie decide to play Joey or not. That's and I felt she did. I feel like her and the husband played her so that they could sell that thing so that she could get up there to see him with the kids. And that's a good question. I, I haven't I never thought of that until you brought it up right now. Um because again, all the reviews I read, not one of them mentioned it. So yeah. no, none of them thought of that either. But you just mentioning all this right now. And again, yes, there's no doubt that the husband overheard the conversation that this, this little electric gauge computer gauge was worth $3,000. You overheard them talking about it at the store. Um, because well, let's, let's set up the scene first. So, so basically the brother-in-law and, um, Joey are hanging out at this, uh, local hardware slash, uh, general store, picking up stuff for, um, some work, you know, they're basically there. The brother-in-law and his the sister are having a baby, so they need stuff to to and whatever. Never mind uh, construction stuff, mechanical stuff, whatever. And Joey's talking about how she has this this tool that can fix his car or something. And he, she he says, "Why do you have that tool?" And she goes, "Oh, I I got it from the military. Uh, uh, it's it's really expensive." It, We'll show all the data and statistics on your, and you know, we can fix your car or whatever. And he goes, what, what, the military just lets you borrow those things? She goes, no, I was going to turn it in, but the the, the shop, was, the, the trading, not the trading post, the, the military post was closed, and I didn't want to miss the bus, so I just took it home with me. Um, and then they start talking about, he goes, wow, that's crazy, man, or whatever. And they're talking, then they start talking about other stuff. And then the husband of Raina appears from around the corner and he starts talking and says, Hey, you're that babysitter. How are you doing? You know, and all that. And, uh, then he says, uh, um, they start talking about the military or something. And she says, yeah, she's going to military for mechanics. And he goes, yeah, I used to be in the military too, whatever. And you know, the conversation. And then they have to, they say, well, we got to go talk to you later. And then, um, Obviously, what happens is, the, the, based off of what happens later in the film, we've discovered that, obviously, the husband must have overheard the, the prior conversation about um, the $3,000 piece of equipment because Raina says something that um, she shouldn't have known about, which is how do she know that she knew about this $3,000 piece of equipment that suddenly Rainer had sold for $600. Yeah. Well, and it, her account's locked out, right? So that seemed a little weird too. Like why'd her account get locked out? Cause they're trying to get money. Well, yeah, that's a good question too. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about how, cause they so, seem related. It's like she associated one with the other. Well, it seems like, well, well, yeah, that's a good question. Well, let's let's talk about this. Um, 
yeah, because the whole thing is bizarre. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of that is unexplained too. So what happens is, is Joey comes back from the military training camp, boot camp, whatever, and now it's Christmas. And and the movie's interesting because uh, it never has placards that say you know three months later or whatever. So it, it's really about a year the film takes place. It takes place in like Memorial Day all the way to uh, New Year's Day, basically. So so it's about eight to nine months the film takes place. Um, and so she comes back for Christmas from uh, the military. For, you know, she gets her vacation off two weeks or whatever. And she hears that Joey, while she was hanging out and sleeping, Joey was sleeping. Raina had come to the house, and uh, Joey asked her sister, "What, what did she want? What did Raina want?" I mean, you know, she hadn't seen her for like four months, whatever. Um, her grandma, she said something about her grandmother died and she needed someone to talk to or whatever. I told her that you were sleeping. So Joey heads over and talks to Rainer. And I think this is the bathroom scene, right? Or maybe yeah. they yeah. go to, they go hunting, right? They go hunting. Yeah. They get, they get a deer and then they're in the a shack where they're somehow they get all this hot water and they're in a tub together. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Yeah, and they got the the deer or whatever. Um, and so Joey's um, basically um, is kind of browbeaten by Raina, who appears to be down and out because the only person that she quote unquote loved or trusted was her Grammy, who's now passed away, and. So she's at a weak moment, and she says, "You abandoned me. You know, you went into the military. You should just quit the military, and, and we should, you know, you should take care of me like you promised, and all this other crap." We should run away <laughs> right now. And then she tells her she's full of shit because she's like, "I have a three-year contract. I can't go." Right. And so she makes her feel hugely guilty for not being willing to run away at a moment's notice after Reina had sent her to the military to. Get some skills. <laughs> right. Now, who's the one that suggested Vermont? I'm, I'm assuming it was Joey. So this is why I don't think it may be a setup. I don't think they ever show who, who suggests Vermont. I think that Raina is just kind of pushing the direction. Right. Well, there's an important reason why they choose Vermont. Uh, the main reason they choose Vermont there's a couple of reasons they choose Vermont. One was because Vermont, so one of the two says they know there's a community up there that's really open to gay and lesbian folk, and it's rural, so it's not like the inner city um, or, or urban center. And so it may be a good place where we could you know, have a normal relationship where we wouldn't have to worry about um, being judged. Right, like like we would be here. In other words, in other words, Raina could. Joey's not worried about being quote judged because she's open anyway. But Raina could be in a location where no one knows who she is, and so they the, all the people who meet her in Vermont would already know that she's gay, and they already accept people that are gay anyway. So it would be perfect for Raina because she could have the relationship with Joey in the open while not being judged because all the people that she meets 
won't have no won't know her in the first place. So it's not like she's coming out to anybody. They're they're going to meet her as gay. Um, but either way, so well, and that's the thing is is like if they choose Vermont, that's why I'm thinking if Joey had chose Vermont, then I don't know if it was a setup because. What, see, it is what, what is it, let's talk about this. There's two ways it could go. They really thought they could go to Vermont, and, and again, what's her face? Rainer has never left Pennsylvania except once. So that's why I don't think it was her that suggested Vermont, because she only went to a continent in Jersey for three hours and then came back. Um, but the reason I don't think it may not be a setup, it may not be a setup by Rainer, is, is that when they go north, to Vermont and my opinion is Joey suggested Vermont it was only after she got cold feet or or found out that Joey's account got locked yes I agree with you that, that he, she, she yeah. called her husband and her husband said alright one you thing you can do is sell that piece of equipment and then you can get some money and you can get back here or something. I don't know. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I, no. And you know, that's the part of her character that's complicated to me. Cause I feel like at first she wants to go with her and she really is, is gung ho for it, but then things start turning negative and the safety starts going away. So I thought she had already pawned that item before they even found out about the locking of the account. Yeah, they just talk about it afterwards. So she's already pawned that thing and has the money, but they don't have much money, right? I mean, they've right. they have no access to the bank funds anymore. And now she's in trouble cuz she it, that item from the military's gone. It's right. been pawned. And so she really thinks she's in trouble and that's when they go to the Canadian border to try and go across. Right. Well, and th- th- here's a couple of things. Is that's interesting. If the movie is almost ninety five percent in the perspective of Joey's character. There's two like two scenes that at least I can think of at the moment that are in Raina's character's perspective. One is when she's talking to her grandmom, and mm-hmm. one when she just uh, finished having sex with her husband, and her husband said you used to like it, because obviously Joey's not in either of those two scenes. But the rest of the 95% of the film is all Joey's perspective. So, when did Raina pawn the item? Was it before (laughs) they left, or was it when they were in Vermont? I think before they left. Right, and that's the thing. We have to think, right? there's, There's never an answer. Right. Well, they don't have any time alone once they're in the truck and driving north. Yeah, that's true. Not enough to go pawn that item. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's true. That's true. That's true. And even, yeah, that's true. Now, there are a couple of things, too, is like when they're up in Vermont, they go to this uh, hippie party, hippie and gay party, and they're talking about, we need a place to stay. And some girl there says, yeah, we have a, a boarding house, uh, $700 um, a month or something like that. And Joey says, yeah, I think we can, we can do that. We can do that. I, you know, you get a job, whatever. But at this point I'm thinking she's still not a while yet because she still has like two more days left before she 
has to be back. And so the moment there's no way she's they're going to be able to she's going to get a job or any of that because the moment she does turn a wall, she's a wanted person, right? Kind of. I mean, I, I've known of people that have gone AWOL and worked, you know, eventually they had to fix it, but they weren't, like, hunted down to be arrested. Do you know what I mean? Right. But eventually, they're going to have to pay the piper somewhere, right? Eventually, they're going to have to pay the piper, yes. Exactly. Sometimes the military will just, you know, let them go, whatever. But, yeah. you know, but, just yeah, depends well, on the situation. Sometimes they'll arrest them. Sometimes they'll give you a dishonorable discharge uh, in this case she's in trouble she would go to military stockade somewhere because of that that pond item right right even though it wasn't directly her fault it, she, it was definitely naive to take the item with her back to pennsylvania instead of just taking the bus a day later or right. had she just, just returned the item two hours earlier before the shop closed you know there wouldn't have been an issue but for her to bring it home and obviously not protecting it well enough and just li- li- leaving it around where people could take it and, and sell it like rain. I'd did. love to know where she kept it. Like why was it so easy for someone to get and pawn anyway? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and how did Rainer get a hand on it? Because they, that's another thing too, right? Because we're not told if they brought the item with them to Vermont, we're not told I mean, Rainer doesn't hang out at uh, her house. Oh, but oh, maybe it was in her car. That's what it was. Yeah, I oh. think they mentioned it was in her car, yeah. but still, yeah. I mean, that's it. yeah, that's it's it. still, her not protecting that item is is really right. foolish. It, right. Yeah. Well, and, and, and this is one of the hints that something's wrong, too. There's two hints that something's wrong when they're in Vermont that isn't related to being AWOL. The, the first is... Raina says she sold the item to get 600 bucks. So fortunately they they had some extra money because of that. And then what's her face says, why why did you do that? That's like $3,000. I'm in trouble now. There's no way I, you know, I mean, I have to, even if she could pay it back, she's in trouble because it didn't happen in the first place. And second, she goes, how, how do you, no, I had this item and it was worth that much. She goes, "Oh, you you told my husband at the store." And no, she, you told my husband or or something. And she goes, "You told you told your brother-in-law and my husband heard it." <laughs> yeah, yeah. You well, should no, be but, more careful. She almost put it on her. <laughs> well, uh, well, she but she didn't say it that way. She said you specifically told my husband. She didn't say that my husband overheard. Oh, okay. And and then she, and then Joey goes, "Really? I did." And she goes, "Yes." And and Joey, in other words, Raina gaslighted Joey by by saying, "Yeah, you told my husband." And then Joey goes, "Oh, okay." Even though she never did, she was taught ta- like you said, it was over her conversation. Yeah. So the husband then told Raina that your your friend or the babysitter, depending on which. We, again, we don't know if he said, you know, the girl that you. You having sex with or the babysitter uh, has a, a thing worth three thousand dollars. Now, that's one thing that that makes everything a little s- suspicious about Rainer because of that selling it and how she found out about it. And then the second thing is is that she has a phone call at the middle of the night 
and and Joey walks in and says, "Who are you talking to?" And she says, "All right, I got to go by." And she she says, "Oh, I was talking to my uncle because he's setting up the funerals arrangements for my grandma." All by himself. <laughs> right. Which, which I mean, there there may be you know I mean she do, they could be setting up so I mean the excuse was good enough because the grandmother just passed she's not in town to do the the arrangements so someone has to be doing it but based off of what happens later in the film meaning like 10 minutes later in the film we can gather that she was probably talking to her husband yeah oh yeah okay she was definitely not probably she was definitely talking to her husband right (laughs) now the third thing there's actually yeah there's a third thing that is screwy which is they try to get some money out of the ATM machine and they can't get any money out of the ATM machine. So, but again, now when I'm thinking about it, it doesn't, it's not as screwy as I think it is because what happens is two things, a couple things. Basically we find out earlier before she leaves Pennsylvania, she went to her mother's house at that Jew, wealthy Jewish family who was having some sort of get together, some house party. Um, to talk to her mother and try to get her mother to give her her Christmas gift early and hoping it's cash. And the mother says, is this Rainer trying to get you to do this? And of course it was, but she denies it. And she says, uh, no, no, whatever. And either way, what happens is she sneaks into the bedroom at the house and steals money from the 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 guests' jackets and pocketbooks. Yep. Because she needed the money, and at this point, she's desperate because of quote unquote love, and she does her, her, a major major mistake. And this is a, this is an actual crime because you could argue that the military gadget that she brought home was just being stupid because she was planning to return it when she got back, but. This was actual th- theft. So that's one thing. So by, you figure by now, two days later, you figure that the mother knows that, or everybody knows that Joey stole from the house. Then the, the she calls her mom, and her mom says the military is looking for you. And but she the goes, mom doesn't talk at all about the money. No, she doesn't. You're right. So, so yeah, maybe they don't know. But all right, but they know about the the item, and well, the reason I'm thinking the money, I don't. Yeah, I mean, what? Why was the credit card blocked though? Was it because she? It wasn't stole even the a credit card. It was like a debit card. She was trying to get money out of her account. Yeah. So where did all that money come? Where did the money go? Why was it blocked? Why was well? She... It makes me wonder if somehow the military blocked that account because she had taken that item. Right, right. Yeah, so maybe they, just, maybe they immediately considered her AWOL because she left with that device. Right. Well, she, they definitely at this point when she calls her mom, she she was she's one day late, so she's already AWOL. But the mother says, "I think they're willing to uh, be okay if you show up today, because you know you missed your bus or or you, you know whatever." So yeah. sometimes things happen that are unfortunate and even though you should have planned that there's always a possibility you could hit traffic or your car could break down or whatever most people don't plan that and when it does happen it's the one in 80 chance it happens and you're effed so maybe the military will be all right you know whatever 
just show up today and you'll be fine. They don't, still don't know that it, the item is stolen, is gone. They know the item was she has, but they don't know that the item was sold and is gone. Well, and the mom doesn't realize how far away she is because she volunteers to come get her too. Yes, yes. I'll so come she pick thinks, you up. <laughs> yes, yeah, so she thinks she's just down uh, at at Raina's house or something. Yeah. So this is where they decide to head to Canada, and and that's the thing, that's the thing that makes me also not think it's a a uh, setup by Raina is because she was willing to go over the border to Canada with her kids, and basically they would do the you know the Vietnam War veteran uh, fleeing to Canada to start, uh, escape prosecution from being Except, AWOL. I think Raina was smart enough to know that she wouldn't be able to get across the border without a passport. Well, that's the thing. Again, this is this is this film was was twenty sixteen, right? So this was before I, I I could go across the border even even today, even though technically you should have a passport after the new laws that came into place, you can pretty much if you go Canada's a strange place. If you if you go Oh, I know. If, you go, well, that's true, but I didn't mean it that way. I meant, <laughs> I meant like if you the border is a strange place for the Canadian yeah. U.S. border. If you hit, if you go the highway, it's a pain in the ass because everybody gets stopped, and they, you know, it's, it's you know, it's a pain in the ass. But if you get off the highway and you go over the border at the the rural checkpoints in Vermont upstate New Hampshire, upstate New York, upstate Maine. So, you know, just a regular road that, and it's like you're going, going to uh, another, the next town over, but it's just a regular road. The, they have border crossings there too. And those border crossings aren't as strict. And so they, a lot of times they'll just let you go over as long as you show them a license and you say, I'm see, you living no. there, you yep. living up near there. That makes a difference because for me, Yep. I know I need to have a passport anytime I want to leave this country or come back in. And I would think even in Pennsylvania, they would probably think the same thing. And like the guy in the movie even says, even by the movie logic, he's like, yeah, since 2001, <laughs> you need a passport. Right, <laughs> right, right. So while yeah. I know something like you're talking about, I'm sure exists, I wouldn't think that they would know that. Right. Well, and another thing they have that's a problem is they have the kids with them. If yeah. there was just two women, they probably would have, because this is a rural road they're crossing. They're not going over the highway one. Um, since it's a rural one, I bet they would have probably just let them go if they didn't have the kids with them. But they said, since you have the kids and you don't have the passports, we can't let you go. And and again, because you, they checked there and they found out there, no one is, has any criminal record and no one's wanted by the law. So at this point, she she Joey is not wanted by anybody. So with the kids, if you take kids over the border without proof or passports, they could consider that possibly your your kidnapping the kids. Mm-hmm. Is my guess, and that's the reason why they turned them around. So if they didn't have the kids, I, would, I bet you they would have let them go over. But I don't know. I, but again, they had Pennsylvania license, uh, licenses and not Vermont or New Hampshire licenses either. Right, yeah, which could make a difference as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's talk about the, the final 
scene, uh, uh, or the final two scenes. Um, yeah, so again, it's still left open whether or not Raina set Joey up or not. Either way, if she did or not, it doesn't really matter. She's still a villain. Oh, <laughs> because, she Because she leaves her with having pawned this valuable thing from the military, and yep. she leaves her with a truck. <laughs> right, well, and she leaves her with AWOL as well. Right, exactly, and with AWOL. So basically she's not in a good position. She goes to that restaurant and she finds her having a great time with her husband and her two kids. Well, well, before we get into that scene, there's another scene too, where Joey wants to, I think Joey is willing to give it up and say, let's just go back to Pennsylvania and I got to go back to the military now and somehow straighten out this, this problem with the missing gadget. But then what happens is Raina, well, Raina, doesn't Raina, no, you're right, yeah, I, I guess that's a, that's an earlier scene. Basically, I was trying to say that a few times when Joey's going to bail on Raina, Raina uses sex to keep her in check. She does, yeah, in, my, in many instances, and I think throughout that whole drive she's doing that. Yeah, like puts her hand, tries to put her hand down her pants or feel it, yeah. her face, bosom or whatever. Um, yeah, and Joey, you know, she's weak because she's in love. Um, so yeah, talk about the, this scene. So we're we're expecting um, Joey and to meet Rainer at the di- local um, Greasy Spoon, the diner, and they're going to talk about their future. And I I don't know what they think in their future is going to be. Right. Well, at this point, you've seen a lot of, you can see that Joey's starting to question things. She's starting to be aware of what's happening to her, um, just by the looks that she's giving Raina, especially when she finds out about the the pond gadget. Um, so, yeah, they're supposed to go, yeah, discuss what they're going to do, <laughs> which at this point, Raina can do whatever she wants, but Joey's kind of screwed. Her options have been limited by what's gone on. Right. Even if Raina wants to spend the rest of her life with Joey, Joey's options are already effed. Yep. Com- completely. The moment she went AWOL, she, everything's destroyed. Her whole future. I would that, say AWOL wasn't even the worst of it. I would say the pawning of the item was worse. You yeah. might be able to fix AWOL, but you can't fix an item that's basically stolen. Right, right. And it's a yeah. felony. It's a $3,000 item. So right. there's no getting around that. Right. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and it, no matter what her story is, and even if they believe it, they're going to think she's a fuck-up. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, the, the best she can say is that a friend of mine... I, she could tell the truth, which is I went to return it. The person at the at the depot was on break and said they'll be back after break. My bus was leaving to go home, and if I didn't, if I waited until after break, I would have missed my bus. Maybe I should have just rescheduled and took the next bus, but I didn't want to miss my bus, so I screwed up and decided to take the item back with me to Pennsylvania, and I was planning to bring it back two weeks later with me when I came back to camp. But 
during that two weeks, I went to camp. I mean, I went back to Pennsylvania. A friend of mine saw it and saw, knew its value. And like an, an idiot, I didn't, I didn't hide it or, or put it in a safe. And they took it and they sold it and pawned it. Now, that's bad enough. And that technically is true, right? Yeah, yeah, it's technically true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the AWOL part had nothing to do with the pawning, in a sense. So she, if she, you're right, so the AWOL part, she may have been able to get over it with maybe uh, cutting potatoes for the next two weeks. Yeah. Or something. But the, but the item being pawned off, even if she told the truth and she took a lie detector and, and she passed and they believed her, it doesn't really matter. I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. like you, that's like you have going to, you know, you're at work, uh, you have a laptop uh, that isn't yours and the office building gets locked out and you can, and what do you do? What do you do with that laptop? Do you, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's, but again, well, and she could even get out of the AWOL part by saying, I went AWOL cause I wanted to try and get this item back. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. so to me, the AWOL part definitely isn't, isn't the worst of it. Like she could right. find a way around that, but not, not the stealing of the item. Cause it just right. looks bad no matter what you do. Right. 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 Even if, if she didn't technically plan to steal it again, and she was planning to bring it back two weeks later, the, the military doesn't look at it that way. They look at it as you took it off base illegally. That's just, that's theft. Yep. Um, so yeah. So here's a person that was about to have three years in the military, one year learning mechanics, electrician, engineering, whatever, uh, able to re-up if they wanted to and make a career out of it, or quit after three years and go to college based out with the GI Bill. And now all that's basically gone. And her spirit's just been crushed. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the spirit's crush because this is where we get her spirit crushed because we find out what happened. So this is, and again, it can be interpreted two ways. So she meet, goes to meet Rainer at the diner. And instead of finding Rainer there alone with the kids, Rainer's there with her husband, having a wonderful breakfast for her, for her whole family. And at this point, um, Joey is devastated and she could have covered up for Rainer and said, Oh yeah, yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah, it was doing a favor because what happens is, is everybody pretends there was no runaway and no relationship. So basically Rainer says, Oh, you know, whatever the husband's name is, uh, here's the babysitter. She drove me up here to meet you here. Uh, and with the kids is a big surprise. And um, the husband says, oh, thanks a lot for doing that. We appreciate it. Um, and then they say, you can t you know, drive back with Raina's car back to Pennsylvania. And 
a lot of things happen here. Like for uh, like Raina says to the kids, say bye to Joey, and the kids say, no, we have no interest. Yeah, which yeah. is interesting because I felt like Joey was becoming close to them as they traveled north. Right. And they they get less it's at, based off of this. They, now we ought to just play with our, you know, crayons and, and iPad or whatever they were, they were doing. And uh, Joey is basically told by Raina without actually being told by Raina, it's over. And I fucked you big time. And the husband, to not make a scene, and obviously because he wants his wife back in the fold, and he wants his kids back in the fold, because she was, if she wasn't playing him, play, playing Joey, she was running away with the kids. And, and, and that's pretty rude. That's pretty bad. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, Which could be so, possibly considered a crime also. Yes, absolutely. Most certainly it would be. And the husband says to to be polite about the whole thing, pretends that he's ignorant, and says, thanks a lot, Joey, for, for doing this for my wife. Here's the keys to the truck. And my wife, and, and then Raina says, yeah, I'm just, me and the kids are just going to jump in with uh, the hubby. Who just happened to be here. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, is that, Raina plays it up as if the husband was up here the whole time and they were going there to um, meet him as a surprise. Exactly. So that's one way you could look at it. So, in other words, it was a setup. The other way is she called the husband and said, come and get me. I fucked up. And the husband did. And then they just used that story to keep everything on the peaceful side and you know uh water under the bridge yeah um but either way whether or not Raina set up or did not set up and just had cold feet joey's life or what's not not necessarily yeah even her life because she's a wall and and wanted for theft too um is is Never mind being heartbroken. Her life is, is is crushed. Totally. And instead of taking the keys, she just leaves. And she decides to walk to the Canadian border where she is stopped by someone off screen saying, hey, you, stop. And we're assuming she gets arrested there. Well, she says they say they need her passport. And I think yeah. before her military ID would have worked. So I would not. I would expect her military ID to work unless it was, you know, ticked off as, you know, somehow in a system showing that she was AWOL or something. Oh, well, at this point, yeah, it was already the system because the mother said, they're saying you're AWOL. Yeah. So this was was, when they first went over the border 24 hours earlier or tried to go over the border. She wasn't reported AWOL yet, but now it's the day later. She's, but it might might not show up on those computers, the passport computers. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, especially the Canadian side. Yeah. So she might it, be able to go over. It's just yeah. whether or not, you know, will what that show up? And what are her plans? She right. there's no plans oh, to make at this point. Yeah, she's screwed. Right. You know, I mean, she doesn't even have a home or nothing. So, and and she doesn't have the a credit card that works anymore, a debit card that doesn't work anymore, too. Right. 
And again, that's still unexplained. Um, but either way, um, that's how that movie ends. And it's tragic, obviously. But it's also, again, part, even though it's it's a, hard, uh, a love story or, or what she thought was a love story that's that's uh, ended terribly. It's also part of the um, the class problem again too that was being said earlier in the film, where someone that's stuck in the lower class trying to get out, they just can't. And a lot of it's because of her own mistakes, right? I mean, if she just used common sense and said, you know what? I'll just take the next, next bus and turn in the gadget to the, the depot. Or she says, you know what? I'm forget Raina. She's married with kids. Or, you know what? I signed up for the military. Let me just do the three years and hope that rain is back, uh, available still in three years from now. But she didn't do any of that, unfortunately. Well, and part of that's because of Raina, though, let's be honest. Because Ra- she she wanted to do that, but she just got hooked by Raina and Raina saying, you're just all full of crap. You don't want to, you're never going to leave. Right. <laughs> so. Right. right. Well, and it also depends on the type of person, too. Again, this is her first love, probably. So for her, yeah. if... You, you really wanted to, you, you, it's excusable. But if she was like 35 and she was acting like this and it was not her first love and she acted like this, then it is inexcusable. So I think you're right that it is somewhat excusable for her lack of um, quote unquote life, I guess, uh, ex- life experience. Maybe. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. I think Raina, I, I hold Raina to more responsibility just because I feel like she manipulated events that turned out very badly for Joey. Now, Gosh. I don't hold Joey not responsible at all. She is somewhat responsible. And after this, she would definitely be responsible because she, she definitely learned the hard way. So. Right. But <laughs> she's a good soul and is a true protagonist, not an antihero. Exactly. So I think um, no matter what stupid thing she did for love or just being stupid, like not taking the next bus, um, I think that doesn't make any of us who are watching the film not like her as a character at all. I mean, we feel really bad about what happened to her because we were really hoping for her to... Um, make it. Yeah, and it's it, it's definitely, that's why I said early on when we first started talking that it's a very dark film because there there is no positive side for her at the end. Right. Right, for example, um, when I was did episode seven, I, I reviewed a, a bunch of films and uh, one of them was Blue is the Warmest Color. And in that film, it's tragic uh, love story, but it's just a tragic love story. The all, the characters otherwise are fine with their lives. Otherwise, in other words, they have jobs. They aren't wanted. They 
you know, the only thing they screwed up if they did screw up was their relationship with each other. You see what I'm saying? Well, this one yeah. here is a darker film because not only is the relationship screwed up and over, but one of them was used and abused and has become a fall guy for um, the other. Well, and what's worse is Raina really betrays her so badly for something that's not even that great. Right. Yeah. yeah she obviously right. doesn't love her husband. Right. Well, and, and that's, that's, that's true. That's true. Well, and, and that's the thing is that, but she's also um, very self-centered because she's not even thinking about the kids, right? Like the kids, right. love, the kids love their father and, and for her to just take the kids away from her father, the father and not look at, you know, what is this going to do for, to the kids? Cause I'm taking them away, you know, and all this other stuff is it, just terrible. And, and, and then what she does to, the way she manipulates using her sexuality and her uh, other vices on Joey, who's just this 19 year old kid and she, and, and rain is a, you know, like 37 or 36. She, she, she knows better, but she's yep. just evil. Or let's just say what everybody else says in the film. She's trash. Yeah. You know, it's just terrible. Well, and in some ways she is a victim of her environment, but she, oh, no doubt. she, again, she could have risen above her environment, but instead she chose safety over human feeling. Right. Well, and even, even if she decide, even though she made this bed and she lives in it, sometimes you just got to suck it up. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's not, it's like, okay, she, she doesn't really love her husband that much. She, they're not wealthy folk. But it's a generally a stable household. Her and her husband mm-hmm. are both good parents, generally, even if she does some stupid things. So it, maybe she should say, well, you know what? This is what I screwed up. I, I came in, I grew up with a terrible mother. I grew up from a terrible family. I, I was born in terrible circumstances, meaning poverty, as well as having trash parents but that doesn't mean even though i screwed up too by taking like you said security that doesn't mean i cannot i don't have to have a mission now to make sure my two daughters aren't uh the ones that get out of all this what's interesting is she becomes as bad as her mother because she destroys someone else yeah for her own security. Right, right. And and technically, she's a victim, as you said. She's most certainly, and, and the movie actually says it, even the director and screenwriter, based off of how they portray her, she show Raina as a victim of her own circumstances, too. Like you said, she's um, born in a, from a terrible family. She's born into poverty. And also, she's born as a sexual minority who is afraid to be a target of bigots or small minded people, if you prefer. And, and so she has a lot of things that she started out with. Oh, and she was molested as a kid by adults. So she's, she's started off with 
one foot in the gutter the day she was born. Um, so, yeah, so she is most certainly a victim, too. But at this point, meaning her being 37 years old, and she ha- is, is in a situation that she's in, that doesn't mean she has the right to destroy other people, nor does it have give her the right to not look at her two children as the most important thing. Yeah, she basically becomes a user like her mother who's addicted to meth. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. She's just not doing meth. Right. She's decided on sexual addiction over a drug, but it's still an addiction. Right, right. Exactly. And and she uses people uh, most likely the same way her mother probably used people. But... Yeah. So yeah, it's it's just a terrible thing. So, so she's a villain, but she was created as a villain. She was created by her circumstances, I think. Yeah, and I, you know, she's definitely not the worst villain I've ever seen in a movie, but she is definitely a villain in this movie. Right. Right. <laughs> what, what what she does to a nineteen-year-old girl by manipulating her and destroying her life. Uh, because her own life is crap, or at least she makes it crap. Basically, the, th- the, the thing that makes her become the true villain is the moment her grandmother died. Because that's mm-hmm. when she went off the rails, and that's when she said, I want you to go AWOL. If she did not, if her grandmother didn't die, I bet you she would have let Joey go. I think you're right. I think that's probably true. Yeah, but she became lonely and desperate. Uh, that the she was person... also worried that her mom was going to come back into her life now that the grandmother was gone. Yes, exactly, and exactly. And so to escape all that and to get the crutch, she used Joey, um, and then she either got cold feet two weeks later or she like you said, possibly set up Joey to get the 600 bucks. I'm a little more tenuous on that. I, I, I think that I don't think she set it up, but I think it was convenient for her in the end. That's the excellent way to put it. Yeah. Cause I don't think it was a true manipulative plan, but it was more an act of convenience. That's an absolutely excellent point. Yeah. I think she would have used the 600 for them if the account hadn't been locked out. I think that account getting locked out, meaning they had less money, she went back to her, I need to be safe. I need to know that we have money. I need to know that we can do this. And then suddenly they didn't have enough money to even do the down payment on the apartment. Right. So then she went back to her old ways and her husband was more reliable. Yep, exactly. Even though she caused the unreliable part of it, (laughs) she couldn't see past that. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, if this movie kept on going in the future, it would be interesting to see how many more people she destroys. And what happened to Joey. <laughs> yeah, well, Joey, I think, is all screwed. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think she, <laughs> she, 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 based off of what I see, I, I don't know if it's just a low moment and she could bounce back, you know, after, you know, two weeks. Or is she suicidal? Yeah. 
You never know. I mean, because again, we don't know her psyche well enough to know if she's suicidal or if she's, you know, because we've all been in that type of dump. Not maybe not that bad, where we're worried about being arrested and, and all this other stuff. But we've all had low moments. Uh, uh, at least I, I'm speaking for myself. I've had low moments. Oh but, yeah, me too. But you know, and and you think nothing's ever gonna be good again. But usually. It does. I mean, unless, you know, you lose your house and things like that, you know, or that, you're that, going to prison for life or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting, but either way, her, her life is ruined and her life is ruined because of, of, and, you know, uh, and I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it directly because of Raina. Even if she made stupid mistakes herself, it's all because of Raina. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's definitely yeah. all because yeah. of Raina. Yeah. Yeah, Raina because, made you know a choice to pawn something that wasn't hers. That's basically stealing as well. Right. So. And, and she convinced her to do the AWOL. So if if Joey um, didn't go AWOL and Raina hadn't stolen the item, she probably could have returned it and... Um, nothing would have happened when she got back to base. Yeah. And her life would have moved on the same way. Yep. Yeah. So. It's interesting. There's some parallels between Raina and Tamsin from the other movie we did last week from Summer of My Love. Indeed. Yeah. 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 And, well, and that's what I kind of alluded to after we wrapped up that episode, uh, because it is also a class type of film, too. It's not just an LGBT film. And the antagonist of the of both films are selfish individuals and hiding something and maybe yeah. not totally true to themselves and somewhat false yeah exactly yeah yeah it's true but well and that's what what I, I think makes makes both of these films good choices because they're they're more than just lgbtq films they're they're a lot more i think and you know, we've seen enough love stories that go good or go bad uh, in normal heterosexual books and movies. You know, what, what's the difference in seeing that in an LGBTQ too? Because you know, people have the same type of emotions, no matter who you you are attracted to. And, uh, and we've also seen enough LGBTQ films where bigotry has has been the main focus mm-hmm. as well. So it's like, um, you know, and so, you know, what, what more can you say? Um, and some of them are good, but again, I think that's using these two films as the, the pride month films, I feel are, are a little better because they're a little more unique and they talk about more things than, in other words, the character's identity isn't just their sexuality. It's more than that in both films. Right. Yep. It's sexual identity, it's class, it's um, location, um, yeah, mental, all those things. Mental, yeah. mental health. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say class bigotry was more of a theme in these two movies than um, any type of bigotry bigotry. Um, ignorance because of class. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, more, more people will look down in in both films because of their class rather than their sexuality. Yeah. 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 And, and 
um, and yet the sexuality was still there as a a target for bigotry. Had in other words, a lot of the reason why Raina is closeted is because she doesn't want to be like, oh, that's that girl that's that's gay. Well, and it's yeah. interesting because there's the sexual bigotry, like when the brother-in-law says to her, "How do you know that you don't like men if you're not if you haven't tried it?" Yeah, and you're it, really good looking. Yeah, it, well, and in my, it, I'm thinking to myself, well, how do you know you're not gay, or you know, how do you know you don't like men if you haven't tried it? That's you know, that would have been a perfect response for her, but you know, that's the type of thing right. that you have to deal with from that perspective. Right, right. Yeah, that was a weird scene, too, because it, that character was really good to her the whole film, and so yeah. it felt out of place when he said that. But also, it could be also he's just naive, too, you know? I mean, I don't know if he, he said it to be mean or, or because he was a jerk. I think he was saying it because he's just confused, maybe. Well, I think it was showing what a lot of guys seem to think. Like, yeah. Yeah. Unless you've tried it, you wouldn't know. <laughs> right, right. And I don't think well, that's and, the case, you know? No, of course, of course not. I mean, you're just attracted to whatever you're attracted to, right? I mean, right, I mean, exactly. A homosexual man, I mean, not a homosexual man, let me rephrase, a heterosexual man or woman, um, if a gay person came up to them and said, how do you know uh, that you wouldn't be gay if you didn't try it? Why don't you try, you know, that's the same type of thing. It's just like, exactly. well, no, it's just that whatever interest you in the, in the opposite sex for heterosexual people is enough to know that you're heterosexual you know i mean if you you know big boobs for you know guys like or or, or pretty dresses or whatever or and, you know and for women who knows what you know whatever woman perspective that interests them in men you just know and so it had nothing to do with her not trying a heterosexual relationship it has to do with the fact that whatever she likes uh for that whatever attracts her in an individual happens to be uh in a woman exactly right? yep. yeah and, and and that's that's what i think the point of that scene was is yeah the the guy was meaning the brother i was being ignorant in a sense because he didn't think it over himself what what he was asking Casual bigotry, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I don't even want to call it bigotry because, again, I don't yeah. know if you mean spirited because, you know, because you can have your, your immediate, the people on social media who immediately say, look, that guy's a bigot. When, if you use <laughs> common sense, he's not a bigot. He just didn't think it over. It was, it was an ignorant thing to say. Yeah. You know, because there's a difference between ignorance and being a bigot, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Um, all right, uh, let's see. Anything else we want to talk about? Anything? About the movie? No. I think... Um, yeah, same same here, I guess. Yeah, yeah, we, we pretty much hit all the the, the big points, we, more so than the scenes itself. Well, uh, The only other thing I want to say is that the one scene we didn't mention, there was a cinematography of them following the train tracks, and it was, it was really cool where they have this, like, big um factory in the background and then they climb this hill and they're like bouncing on the the, the tracks mm-hmm. and in the distance dusk is happening and you can see the whole city of wilkes barry in the distance and it's just beautiful cinematography and, and 
unbelievable. Uh, this this uh, Gal Duran guy. I hope I hope you friends friends me because I wouldn't mind uh, bringing him on our podcast here and ha- interviewing him. Um, but um, most of the scenes were pretty amazing. I mean, just the way it shows that area looking is was really well done. I mean, it it brought memories to me of being in Pennsylvania, and uh, yeah, it's it was pretty good cin- cinematography. I'd put it pretty high up there. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Pennsylvania is a great, a great uh, city to to drive through. Uh, not city, I'm sorry, uh, state to drive through. Um, two years ago, when when I came, uh, actually when I met you down in Richmond, um, I was heading back um, through Pennsylvania, and um, um, it's just beautiful, beautiful country. There's the the cornfields and and the, these little mini cities that I went through because I went through a bunch of them because mm-hmm. uh, I was stopping to pick up. Um, micro brews. So I would stop every like 15 miles and, at a gas station <laughs> in these little t- cities to get the local brews. And so, you know, I had like a whole trunk full of beer and, um, the cities are just what we saw in this movie is what you see. And, and, and um, the people are just saw to the earth. Yeah. I'm, I'm used to the mountainous areas. So, you know, it's just, it's an interesting state. It's just really, yeah, beautiful. well, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing. I went through, uh, not only the con fields and the working class cities like Bethlehem and, and, uh, uh, Hershey and, uh, Oh, love uh, Hershey. Yeah. There was a bunch of, them. I went through, uh, Lancaster. I went through Lancaster. Um, and I, I even went to Jane Mansfield's grave, uh, in oh, Per Argyle. So that was pretty cool to check that out. But, um, then I went through uh, the Poconos, is it? Mm-hmm. That's probably in Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, it's the Poconos. It's Catskills. So, yeah. I always confuse the two. Catskills, that's New York. But yeah, so I went through the Poconos. So I went right through all those mountains and all that stuff, too. So, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, it's really, really diverse state um, in its uh, geography, top- topography. So, um yeah, it's a good place. Um, all right, so um, since we're, we've already recorded for over two hours and 15 minutes or so, we'll, I guess we can just do our final thoughts and wrap up. Uh, so um, I'll start. Um, yeah, this, this film is a phenomenal film. I, I love the film. Uh, actually, talking about it uh, tonight uh, makes me even like it even more. Um, if you love, love uh, dramas and uh the human condition and all that good stuff uh this film is, is really good there's some minor flaws here and there and, and some of the reviewers pointed them out uh because generally even though it got positive reviews some people would you know gave it three and a half out of five stars or, or whatever rather than you know the, the straight uh five out of five that you would you would think or four out of four if you if you go by ebert's uh, rating system, uh, but all in all, um, for me, I, I think it's a phenomenal film. Uh, one of the best films I've seen in the last uh, three years or so. Um, uh, wish it wish it got uh, more play, and uh, I can see why this film uh, was the breakout film for Lola Kirk. Um, and it's a shame, to be honest, that she um, has decided to focus more on her music career because she's a phenomenal actress, uh, beautiful screen presence. And um, a great talent. Um, so, uh, all in all, um, still surprised that Deb Chaval, uh, Carolina Wachlowiak, the, the co-screenwriter, 
and Gal Duran haven't done much since because uh, they're they're all phenomenal talents as well. Uh, and uh, and all in all, uh, even though this was Lola Kirk's film, Rita Wool, who played Raina, was really great too. So uh, big thumbs up and uh, high recommend by me. Um, Bert. Yeah, I would give it thumbs up as well. Um, it's a good drama. It's not normally the type of movie I would watch, but I I will watch anything. But um, it's I'm normally horror movies and that's pretty much it unless it's you know sci-fi or fantasy um but yeah it was a really good drama um definitely touches on the human condition it's well directed well acted cinematography is amazing um it really gives you a good sense of pennsylvania um and the rust belt in general um i definitely would check it out just make sure you're in the mood to watch it because it has a dark end Yep, yep. Actually, speaking of another good Pennsylvania film uh, that uh, had the same feel um, of of the the working class rural white collar folk um, or Rust Belt folk uh, is probably um, the Deer Hunter. That's another good one. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Same, same. Except that that takes place outside of Pittsburgh and a lot of uh, um, Russian and Lithuanian Americans. Uh, and they specifically are very ethnic in that film. But uh, even though it's a different part of the state, uh, very same atmosphere uh, in a different time period, obviously, too. Doesn't Stir of Echoes take place in Pennsylvania? Stir of Echoes? Yeah, I th- but I think that was like Philadelphia or something. It was actually the yeah, big okay. urban center. Yeah, it's a little yeah. different. Yeah, A little bit, yeah, but still yeah. Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. Um, all right, so uh, once again, this is a AWOL 2016 film. Uh, technically, uh, that's when it did Tribeca, uh, but it actually, as Barrett noticed uh, when he watched the film uh, on Amazon Prime, it listed it as a 2017 film because te- that's the actual date it was released in uh, to uh, the theaters and VOD was uh, May 22nd, 2017. So it did the festival circuit for the year and then was released. Uh, the following year in uh, in May of 2017. Um, actually, I saw this in 2018 January. So I actually got the disc probably almost right when it came out. When I think about it, because I think the um, if it did its small theatrical run and then um, was released on uh, disc. It says here, uh, and I'm looking it up now. Right now, the disc is 13.99, usually on on uh, uh, online services came out June 20th, 2017. Uh, so yeah, so it, it went right to uh disc after the one month, uh, run at the theaters. Yeah. So I actually, uh, got the movie in June of 2018, specifically when I did this, the episode seven of the podcast and, um, and watched it in June, 2018. So, um, yep. Either way, uh, Available on Prime right now and rental or purchase on VOD anywhere and on disc. Uh, so uh, starting next month, since we're we're going to be back into, uh, or I should say, we're leaving Pride Month after June, uh, we will go back into uh, uh, more mainstream genre stuff. Uh, even though this podcast is art house as well, we're going to probably go back to horror uh, coming up. So. Uh, uh, we have a couple of ideas coming out uh, that we're going to do. We're going to even have another guest host uh, for a TV series, a French horror television series that we're going to be talking about as well. 
And then we're going to be, uh, me and Barrett, uh, we have a, a, a dual book episode coming out for this. Uh, we're going to talk about The Stand. So that's coming too. And then we're going to have a, a bunch of Grindhouse films that we have, uh, haven't have uh, gone over yet what ones we're going to do. But me and Barrett are coming up with a list of about six. And we're going to decide uh, which is the next topic after uh, probably the, the French horror TV show. Um, so uh, with all that stated, Barrett, why don't you lead us out? Thanks for joining us. And join us again next month when we discuss The Stand, when we discuss a TV series, and we'll probably be discussing a movie as well.